This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Yo, what's up, everybody? Richie back, Post-America Podcast. Nomad Joe, no Chris Mav. Chris Mav's still sick, COVID-19 infected. Mad Joe on the road, moving that product. He has no time. So I got another one-on-one with homie, longtime friend, London hardcore icon, front man of many bands, including one of my favorites, Knuckle Dust. What's up, Pierre Pelbu? How you doing? Good afternoon, my brother. I'm doing well. The sun is shining over London this week, so boy, I can't complain. Good, good, good. Now, I just saw, like, your name came up in an interview, I did, the last interview I did with Lou from Sick of It All, because we were talking about, oh, uh, yeah, we were talking about the lifespan of bands that have original members, you know? And I'm okay. not sure if there's one in our scene that beats Knuckle Dust. I don't know. I've never really thought about it, to be honest. Um, Four guys for 20-plus years? The same four, right? Yeah, that's correct. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to afford an upgrade in any department. If you had to get rid of one, though, you're the front man, you're the boss, who would it be? It has to be uh, probably the bass player, right? Sorry, Nikki. I don't know. I'd say it'd have to be Waymer because his legs are so long, and I'm always sitting behind him in the car. If we've got mm. someone like shorter, like Poppy, then I'd probably have a hell of a lot more leg room on tour. That's true. See, I was just thinking out of like, you know, the band pecking order, get rid of the bass player. But yeah, Weema probably makes everything uncomfortable for everybody all the time. <laughs> Mate, the amount of times I thought I had fucking DVT, deep vein thrombosis from being in a car, sat behind him. Literally, <laughs> there's no leg room, mate. And plus, you, you know what we're like, we take all the distro in between every little gap there is in yeah. the car. Yeah, you'd be better off on his lap, I think. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's not go down that route. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty impressive. I mean, the same four dudes, so so long. It's really cool. And another cool thing, I saw a flyer for July for Knuckle Dust shows. That's that's real? Yes. It's like uh, we plan to do our 25th anniversary show on that date. Um, we're working with um, Barnett Mark, who used to manage the 12 Bar Club. Um, so we've got together with him with the idea of doing this anniversary show. And, um, yeah, he's, he's come up with the plan of doing it at the hundred club on Oxford street, which to be honest, I've never been to before, but seems to be quite a legendary venue for like underground music scenes in, in London over the years and in the past, especially. But, um, yeah, like I say, I don't really know. I've never been there before. But is it going to be like, is there going to be any restrictions, like full capacity or any of the social distancing crap? Or could you do a regular show? We ain't got a clue yet. We're hoping wow. things will be, you know, doable. It's it's awesome just to see that something has been booked and, and is being advertised for the future because over here it's looking real, real grim as far as the possibilities of live music, man. I mean, in London, yeah. how, how are people holding up with all that? Is it bad there still, or is it look calm down? Um, over the last couple of weeks, they're talking about this um, infection rate rising. 
and they're, they're putting measures into place just this week. They've limited the amount of um, people that can meet up. So it's like six people can meet up any event or family gathering or anything like that. If you're going around family's house, then you've got to keep to this kind of unit of six people. Holy so shit. We're, we're going to see how that works out. But um, yeah, I think now, they're getting that, a bit scared. If that goes into July, then the whole show is shot, right? I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, this new rule doesn't even affect the pubs and that because they can still, well, they still have to gather with, you know, six people groups, but there's going to be more than one group of six people in the pub anyway. They're all separated around the pub sort of thing, so. Ah, so personally, you can hang out with six people and go into a a public venue or restaurant or or whatever. And if there's another six here, six there, two there, nobody cares. But you can't come in. You can't walk in there expecting to get a table of for ten. Basically, is that what you're saying? In theory, yeah. Like if I'm honest, the government ain't really made it that clear. Mm. So there's been a lot of talk on like people being interviewed and that and they just all seem confused everyone's got their own like thoughts on it or how it should work sort of thing but yeah the six people thing is just for like families and households and let's say you go to the park you can't have more than six people sitting together in the park sort of thing uh, um gotcha, gotcha. for venues and pubs they they haven't really laid down any um regulations for that yet that's the whole problem at the moment we, we, we can't work anything out until they start giving us some regulations then maybe the venues can start catering to it whichever way they can but i have seen some places have live music i mean there are i've heard some pubs playing live music and the other day i passed one place in wembley and that was like built in a live band obviously it's going to be limited numbers and the space in there must be pretty big i'm guessing so people ain't you know shoulder to shoulder so if you're in england and you got a family of seven and you got your, your, you know, you, your wife, and you got f- five kids. You just, you leave the baby at home. You go out. And when you come home, you take care of the baby. It's not a big deal because you can only go out at six. Everybody's happy. Now, listen, yeah. last time I was there, <laughs> London was dope. London's always dope. And then I saw on the news after, after Italy and Spain, it seemed like London became like the hot spot and uh with infections and deaths and all of that and what is your personal as as a uh, citizen of england what is your personal belief about this whole pandemic are you with it you think it's 100 percent legit whatever the government's telling you you're falling into line and it seems logical or you kind of are you skeptical of it at all uh to be honest i don't believe much this government tells me or or most governments but um i use my own eyes and follow my own feelings but um I feel there's, there's there's definitely something doing the rounds, you know what I mean? Something nasty is doing the rounds, but to what degree, I don't believe it's as crazy as what they're saying, but uh, like I say, I'm no medical expert either. But um, I mean, obviously I speak to Nikki, who works as a paramedic and the, just judging by the things that he's seen, then yeah, it, it's too, you can't ignore the fact that there is something nasty going around. So you do believe there's some sort of flu-like virus that's more severe that's making its rounds but maybe also being politicized to a degree because i mean why wouldn't people use it to their advantage if they could it's human nature you know yeah that's it i mean Mm. i like to think that maybe there's some power out there which is using this in a positive way because i don't know the whole global warming thing and like overpopulation of places like 
the plan ain't going to last much longer, is it really? I mean, well, I'm sure I'll see my lifetime out with any luck, but, you know, for future generations and that, who knows, you know, how long they got. But something needs to change. Without a doubt, something does need to change in this planet. Otherwise, this planet's going to be fucking, you know, Mother Nature don't fuck about, boy. She'll claim back what's hers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely like, is it the craziest time that we've lived in in our lifetimes? It has to be, right? For me, yeah, 100%. I would never guess anything like this ever happening in my lifetime. I mean, how about 9-11 in uh, 2001? That worldwide was also a, a big, like, kind of a changing and awakening and a turning into, like, a new way of life, too. And we lived through that era. Would you agree? Or is this much more serious than that time? Um, I don't know, because I see that things like that remind me of when I was growing up as a kid and we used to have, like, IRA terrorist bombings in, in London, you uh, know what I mean? Yeah. Just around the corner from where I lived, there was a massive bomb that went off one night and fucking Irish <laughs> and you know this whole pandemic is like on a, such a worldwide scale where it just makes you know I've yes. spoken to people all over the planet since this shit has kicked off I've got family in Peru I've got like fam all over the world you know what I mean so just trying to touch base with a lot of people and I've never nothing that I've ever seen or experienced has really affected everyone in the same way at the same time as this in my experience yeah yeah. And you know how it, the, uh, not only the pandemic, but also the, the George Floyd, uh, murder seemed to spread across the ocean. And I saw footage of, of riots and, and protests and marches in London. Did you see any of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was out on a protest in, in Brighton. Um, I think it was, it was the same day that there was one going on in London where it all kicked off. Wow. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of activity on that front, and um, yeah, it, like it didn't take long for now is, to get on board with that. Are the English concerned at all with the upcoming election in America, or is that something that kind of people are like ah, whatever happens, we don't give a fuck, or or are you watch them with a close eye? Do you think the election here makes any difference to you guys over there? I don't know. I haven't really heard anyone talking about it, to be honest. I mean, on, on a face-to-face -face level, like work colleagues or in the background, mm -hmm. but um, me personally, I haven't been keeping an eye on it. It's just, I don't yeah, really I watch wondered. much news. Because, you know, we get we get localized news or at least regions. and So I always wondered if this is, because over here you could imagine it's all that people are talking about is the upcoming election in November. Mm. So I was wondering if outside of here anybody even gave a fuck, you know. But maybe Probably not, not too much you at guys, the moment anyway. Yeah, you guys got your own blonde hair guy over there. The, yeah, uh, yeah. He's been um, coming out in the media quite a lot regarding the old Brexit stuff. Now, is he, is he liked or is he hated? I can't tell. Or is he like just like his, his people love him so much, but the haters hate him so much? Like, what's the deal with that guy, Boris? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't. To be honest, I, I don't come across many people that speak highly of him. Yeah. Also, the, the comments that people make about him are always negative. So if there is people out there that like him, then it's only because they're getting something from him. You know, what he I mean? got elected somehow, right? Like, yeah, but that was off the back of some bullshit as well with, mm. with the Brexit thing, and you know. And Brexit, you're you're against Brexit. 
Me personally. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm I mean, gonna... I, I didn't, I didn't vote for it. Okay. Now, could you explain briefly, if you know, because you might not even give a fuck. I don't know if you're a super political guy, you know, but could you, could you give us a, like just a little description of what it even is? As an American, I just know it as I think it's a, a, a England wants to be separated from Europe through the connections of the European Union. Is that it or is there more to it? Yeah, basically, because um, I guess it affects me. The way I see it is from a driver's perspective, because when I was driving trucks, then I would have to abide by the UK legal um, restrictions for like br- breaks and rest periods and other stuff. But on top of that, I also had to abide by the EU. Um, laws and regulations for drivers and rest periods and breaks and all of that Mm. so now the way i see it as it from a driver's perspective if we leave the eu then we're just going to have to abide by our own country's regulations when it comes to driving which probably means that i'm going to get less break periods if i was a long distance driver and stuff oh okay than i would if if we were still in the eu which seemed to be a bit more like safety orientated for you know drivers taking breaks and stuff now, what is the argument for people that wanted Brexit and wanted to leave the European Union connection? Like, what are, what's, what are they saying is the benefit of it? I think it's the, the main reason was laws and regulations that get passed through the EU and then pushed onto us. We won't have that anymore. Okay. It would just be up to us to make up our own lo- rules and regulations regarding whatever, every, every little thing. So was and there some dumb shit? Was there some dumb shit you guys had to deal with uh, through that that they could justify or at least use as some fuel to, for people to want to leave? Yeah, I mean, they, obviously they use the immigration thing, same as you guys over there, mm-hmm. saying, you know, a lot of, too many people um, coming from other places into the country legally, taking work, blah, 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 you know, benefits, ste- stealing benefits, and all those arguments came out and. I think em- empowered a lot of people to push towards that sort of um, mm. for Boris to get put in to continue yeah. with this Brexit thing. Yeah, yeah, that has always been a hot topic here: the illegal immigration. And uh, mm. you know, you could definitely point out a lot of bad aspects of it, and you could point out good, good aspects. I just never wondered. I never knew, like, why didn't like these? There's laws over here that already exist, but they just kind of aren't used or they're used when convenient you know so but it pisses me off because they want more but these laws already exist it's like just enforce the laws that exist and stop talking about it but it always becomes kind of like an abortion issue like oh they have immigration and abortion and the hot topics of the day it's all bullshit, bullshit issues. But listen. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, yeah, we've got the same things in place here, obviously on the French side, the English side, but mm-hmm. though these these people that are coming from other countries, like legitimately going through the right channels, they're mm-hmm. the ones that these laws are going to affect and stop them coming in, I guess. But what about the ones that are coming illegally from all these traffickers, people traffickers and that? They're not going to be stopping at customs and that to declare that they're coming to the country anyway. So they're still going to come into the country legally yeah. and no one's going to be able to stop it. So, uh, you know what I mean? It was just a, a stupid argument. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you mean there. And I saw on, you posted on Twitter that to end the Polish to come into England, you wanted them to stop coming. Why did you post that? 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. He didn't post that. I'm kidding, everybody. I'm kidding. But yeah, there's a lot so, of too many beautiful women in this country. That's why oh, they keep bringing all these beautiful Eastern European women over. You like those Polak broads, huh? <laughs> the blue eyes flowing. The thing is, when they get older, the heads get really big. You notice that? <laughs> oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, the Polish people, they got back. People always think I'm Polish because my head is humongous. But I'm like, nah. I'm Holy just, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I ain't discovered that yet. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good. They're good people. Hard workers, you know, hard workers. Oh, definitely, man. There's a lot of them over here. A lot of them, like, deeply involved in our scene here in London. Some good bands. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Is oh, there yeah. any pure, like, uh, immigrant bands? Yeah. That's dope. That'd be dope, man. So it's like a bunch of like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I'd like that. Yeah, man. We got every every sort of immigrant in in London, isn't it? Such yeah, a London's a great mix. I remember who's that Colombian dude? I remember that Colombian dude I met. He was a good guy. Who Mar- Marrow? Marrow? Yeah, Marrow's yeah. Here. Bone Marrow. Yeah, he's still about. I like that guy. A lot of good people over there. When when I saw your flyer for the show coming up, I immediately checked uh, ticket prices. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, this ticket's going to be like $89. I'm going. Yo, the tickets were like $900. Wow. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? I thought it was like right now everything was super cheap. But yeah. I mean, technically, we're not even allowed. Like you guys won't even allow us over there. But I was thinking by July, maybe, you know, if I didn't die from COVID by then, I'd I'd buy a ticket and come over, but it looks super expensive, man. So, I guess that's summertime for us over here, isn't it? So that's going to be the peak time for the the flight companies. Yeah, but I just thought... But, you yeah, know, you'd think it'd be cheaper still. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd agree. Because I scored some tickets within the U.S. to fly around. I went mm-hmm. down to Charlotte, North Carolina for $39. I was like, yo, forget it. I see tickets to Mexico for super cheap. But, Is uh, it? Yeah, but for some reason that London deal was expensive. But I was I was uh, looking forward to that. That would have been cool. But very excited to see you guys are playing. Twenty five years, bro. Could you even like <laughs> like you 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 managed to do all these other bands? I mean, you had to have from the birth of Knuckle Dust till now bands that stopped functioning or or are still functioning. Probably another five or six bands in the mix, right? Uh, a couple here and there, yeah. And you get uh, the newest one that I heard. That sounds dope. And uh, like, how do you have time for this stuff? Or are you just like a music lover? And it's like, you got to, no matter what you're doing, because you're working all the time and you're doing your thing. and But you, you, you're constantly making music. I love that shit. No, I'm lucky, bro. I mean, yeah, I work full-time job, always have, always will. But, um, you know, when, when it comes to my, my spare time, and that luckily I know a lot of musicians. And really, they're doing all the hard work because they got to go in the studio, record the music, blah, blah, blah. When that's done, they just give me the music. Then I'll, I'll go in the studio and just spit something. Take me, it won't take me that long, in it? Yeah, but come on. I mean, I'm, I play guitar. It takes a couple fucking minutes to write a song. Big deal. Don't let these guys fool you. You're doing all the work. You're the front man. You're the star. <laughs> we know that. Don't let Wema fool us like he's doing anything at home <laughs> with his keyboard. We know better. But no, nah, you you're you're putting in work, and you know what? It's like you. I always say that if dudes really loved it, they'll put the work in because you know it's a choice. When you don't, when you have the time, it's a choice of what you're gonna do with your your spare time, and you're putting it into music when you can, and that's that's dope, man. And for to know that Knuckle Dust did 25 years of the same four maniacs. 
putting out full-length albums, stuff in between, playing shows, while also maintaining families and full-time jobs and careers. Unbelievable. The unsung heroes of of the hardcore scene. Serious. Just gluttons for punishment, bro. We're the gluttons for punishment. (laughs) Now, in the band, you got four personalities... And I know all of you guys pretty well, but not like you know them. Not like you all know each other, of course, you know. But I actually toured with Nikki when he helped out in, in Knuckle Dust. I mean, uh, in uh, Mushmouth. He I jumped on bass and saved the day for us and just toured with you guys in general, band, you know, band to band. Who would be the first to, to like just call call it a day for knuckle dust like or are you just all stubborn and you would never be the first guy to do it but if somebody did do it first who would it be <laughs> you know what i'm going to say don't you i think you're going to say ray <laughs> yeah exactly ray's a he's, he's a complainer but he just likes to complain though i think it's like part like if you let him complain you're good that's all you got yeah yeah he's got he's just got to get it off his chest in it yeah yeah he's got to tell that's you that's cool this is this is Ray's kind of like myself. If everybody's happy, he wants to show you why you shouldn't be happy. And if everybody's miserable, he wants to show you everybody why you shouldn't be miserable. I think like Ray comes from that angle. So if you guys are excited for something, he's going to throw a wrench in there to show you why it might not be a good idea to be excited and then vice versa. If you're all bummed out about something, he'll tell you how you should do it anyway because it's going to be good for you. Am I right or wrong uh, about Ray? That's kind of how I am. To be honest, I can relate to Ray a lot more than the others, I guess, because we're both Aquarian. We've got, oh. both got that thing where, like, I don't notice it, but some of my close friends always tell me, like, they might come up to me and say, oh, yeah, this, I'm doing this, it's great, and doing that, oh, I'm loving this and this, picking something up, and I'd, I'll turn around and I'll, I'll give them back the reality, like, mm. like, yeah, you're doing this and that, but this is what's going to happen, or, you know, it, this might, you know, I'll, I'll just bring bring them down in a way, but not intentionally. <laughs> but I'll just be realistic. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the, the dream kind of dreamy eyed glance and something, I'll be like, bang, you know, that's the reality. Yeah, but, a lot of people. Know, I don't mean to be that, that that person to bring them down, but it's just the way I always see things, isn't it? It's in I, your zodiac. Now, and do you I think Ray is strong like that as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Is and that uh, realism, you know what I mean? Where you know, what I mean. We we have fun and that, and we have dreams, but we're we're fucking brutally realistic, <laughs> especially me and Ray. Yeah. How many times over the years have you been close to saying okay, no more? Like as a whole band, not just you. Oh, but... I can't say we've ever been through that. No. Okay. Because I've always really. been. We've been close a couple times in my band where I'm just like ah, fuck this. It's good enough. What else are we gonna do? You know. But I didn't know. I if mean, you guys... it might be different if we were like on the road for six months of the year or, you know, big periods of that, like that, mm-hmm. it might be different then, but we don't really do that much. You know, I mean, we do well in 25 years. We ain't done that much in 25 years. If, if, you, if you add it all up. Well, you're on like the so second tier. <laughs> you're like on a second tier of you're like considered a, an authentic, real actual band. It's almost like wisdom and change is similar. It's like we trick people into thinking we're a real band somehow, but when you look at how much we actually play, it's not very often. You know, it's like just at our own convenience here and there. <laughs> you know, but it's still it's still a thing. You still are writing albums, putting out real albums with, you know, worldwide distribution, and you know you're putting in the time and the work there. So I know what you mean, though. You're not. You know, we're not going to be compared to fucking. 
uh, agnostic front or sick of it all because those are full-time bands that live off their art, you know? Yeah, yeah. If if you could do that, would you? If you could hit the road and, and that's your job and you're not going to be a millionaire, but you're not going to be broke, would that be appealing to you to do that all the time as your livelihood? I don't know. I thought, I thought about it, but I don't know. I don't know if I'd get too bored to, like, uh, I don't know, getting stuck in the same routine uh, I can deal with, but yeah. it's just a routine then, yeah, I, I need to be challenged, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, because it's always fun to start a tour, right? And then it gets boring, like, real quick, kind of, that's how I am, like. It's yeah, fun, yeah, I've got a short to, attention span. Yeah, it's fun to know what's coming up, and then a couple shows into you're like, okay, I'm over it. But uh, I, I like personally more writing and, and recording stuff because that's always different. You know, that's that's not like a routine, really. Mm, yeah, I used to be the opposite. Yeah. But like over the last few years and that, I've, I've definitely enjoyed recording stuff and trying different things. Now that I have the ability with like recording at home or wherever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, you know, growing up in the band, then we never really had those opportunities. We'd go into the studio, it'd all be paid for, and then we'd have, like, not enough time to do what we had to do, and then that would be it. No chance to mess around, try ideas, mm. you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And more time, we weren't even ready to go in the studio, because we probably ain't even practiced enough, but, you know. <laughs> Whereas now, I'm kind of enjoying having that time to just try different things or do guest spots for other bands you know see what vibes that i can feed off and like i'm doing this new band now borstal that's it's a hardcore band but yeah it's a different vibe you know what i mean so it brings something different out of me as well and what are you putting out with those guys is it going to be like a full length or like an ep recorded five songs and a cover of the last resort king of the jungle oh shit so yeah it's got that influence in it the oi, the metal, the hardcore, the punk. Yeah, it's got a good balance and a good mix of all those styles, man. Now, what's that name mean? Borstal? Yeah. Um, it's a Young Offenders Institute. In the old days, they used to call them Borstals. Ah, that's pretty cool. I like, I like that. I didn't know what it meant. So it's like a juvenile home or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. Like prison for youngers. Yeah, you cool. never seen that movie? What was that movie? Um, shit, I forgot what it's called now. <laughs> I forgot myself. Which one? There's a lot with, of uh, The one with Ray Winstone. Shit. When he was younger. When he's in prison, in it. Ray Winstone. Is it an American movie? Nah, nah. It's an old English one. Google it. Oh, yeah. I'll check it out. Well, I Google it, but I, you don't even know the name. <laughs> <wanna be> a... <laughs> yeah, I've got to look it up now. I can't even remember. So, Why is it that takes place in one of those, in one of those places? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's dope. I'll check it out. And the little samples I heard of that band, I like what I hear. It sounds cool, man. And definitely a little stray from uh, a lot of the other stuff. I mean, your all your bands always have like uh, different kind of juices. This one is probably the most different of the recent. You know, the recent projects. I think sounds really cool. <laughs> How'd you get involved with these? Thank dudes? you. Oh, this is, I found the name of the film. It's called Scum. Scum. Oh, I like that. How could you forget I think that? It's called Scum. Yeah, how can I forget that? Scum, straight up. That's be the, that's got to be a song title for you guys. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Shit, I should know. 
I'm sure everyone will be cussing me now online and everyone's be like, yeah, is that, that's the name of the film, you fucking dickhead pill, you fucking prick. <laughs> Whenever you talk about something and it's being recorded like this and you can't remember, you're, you're always thinking in your head like people that are listening, some of them know right away what you're talking about and they, they get frustrated when you can't remember, but yeah, what do you do? <laughs> what do I look like, a fucking movie genius? With my Siskel and Ebert? No, we're Pierre and Richie. We don't know that offhand. But check Wait, this I'll out. I'll tell you what, mate. I'm terrible with films. Yeah? I'm terrible with really everything. I movies. I, oh, I yeah. have just a bad memory in general, but that's all right. Makes room for, like, present-day stuff. And plus, I, it's hard for me. People that are obsessed with movies, it's hard for me because I get bored, you know? It's got to be a really good-ass movie. Like, these people that are watching movies like Step Brothers 20 times, it's like, what the hell are you doing? These weirdos, <laughs> they become obsessed with, like, Pee Wee's Big Adventure yeah, or whatever that, random movie. Hey, get out of here, you weirdos. I don't know anything it's like, like that. <laughs> it's like, like going to the cinema and shit like that. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes girls like to go to the cinema a lot. Yeah, I know. Like, it's just not my thing, you know what I mean? I don't I'll mind go, watching a movie in the cinema now and again, but... Yeah. And it's like, watching a movie is like going to school. You got to sit there, be quiet, and pay attention. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you know I, I didn't want to do that when I was in school. I don't want to do it now. I'm no good at sitting still for that long. <laughs> yeah. So I like watching stuff at home because I could get up, look out the window, you know, grab a Twix out of the freezer, bite into it, get it, pour myself a Coke, <laughs> order a pizza, sit back down. But he like, when you're at the place, once the popcorn is gone, I'm like, all right, is the movie over yet? Let's get out of here. That's just how I operate. I don't know. Yo, I never been to a movie in, in England. Do you guys have popcorn? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool, right? Now, a lot of people say America has no culture, no tradition. Next time you're at a fucking movie theater and you order popcorn, you remembered we gave that to you. That's our thing. And I don't know how that started. It's dry but that's a good popcorn idea. as well, boy. <laughs> it's huh? stale, though. The popcorn we got tastes a bit stale more time, innit? Oh, really? Our shit is always yeah, fresh. Yeah. They got those big machines that are just like, you smell it as soon as you walk in. So it's like a... It's like waving crack in front of a junkie. Like, you just got to have it as soon as you walk <laughs> in the place. Yeah. You got to yeah, have nah, that we're shit. we're not that good. <laughs> I don't eat none of that shit they serve in the, in the cinemas, like the hot dogs and that. It just looks a bit rank. Oh, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't get any, almost any hot food outside of popcorn. Now, to, now here in America, they're, like, giving you nachos and stuff, and it's like, ah. I stick to, like, jujubes, uh, <laughs> gobstoppers. Swedish fish, popcorn, big Cokes, butter on top of the popcorn. But yeah, the, when they try to give you like actual dinner stuff, nah, I don't mess around with that. Not, not in the movie. Yeah, nah, I'm no fucking with that. <laughs> that. That's for Anamale. We don't mess with that. Now check this. You're in the, you're in the London hardcore scene 25 plus years ago, young Pierre, and you're, are you born in, uh, in Peru or are you born in England? I was born in London. You're born in London. Of Peruvian descent, is that it? Yeah, both my parents are Peruvian. Okay. They met here in London. Uh-huh. Now, did you, as back then, people of color, the, we like to say POC, that's the new, t new term, people of color. Were there many POC people in the London scene? When I was born <laughs> or when I was first when, going when you, to the when scene. When you first started going to shows? really no not really now was Pretty, it yeah. was it an issue at all or was the london scene always open and inviting in the early days when i first started going to shows i didn't know anyone so i would go to a show on my own 
like all my mates from my neighborhood or my school friends and that from my neighborhood they weren't really into hardcore music they're all into raving and jungle and stuff so you know i mean i'll go out with them no problem mm. and yeah there was never any issue uh, going out with them but yeah going to hardcore shows on my own then i didn't even think about like coming up against any sort of racism and that it didn't really occur to me like obviously you have a positive mindset when it comes to hardcore anyway from what i was listening to yeah but yeah i mean i did face it i'm not gonna lie uh-huh. there was a couple of incidents but um like i say like i don't know i think i was ugly enough for people just to leave me to my own because i wasn't really socializing and that you know what i mean i was just going there checking the bands and when i was younger I, well i'm not really the most sociable person anyway you know what i'm saying now, how's uh, that? How do you get into it when you're by yourself? Like, what's what made you like this stuff, and how do you even come and stumble across it? Um, I guess my first early introduction was down to people like um, Stamping Ground and Ian Glasper, because he was doing like a, a page or two in the Terrorizer magazine. Yeah, and then he'd be doing reviews of certain bands around the UK that sent him demos and that, and from from the reviews he'd give him then I could tell that it was more or less something I'd be interested in. So I'd send off tapes and that, order demos from these bands. Um, later on, then I'd, I'd make contacts with other people. Because obviously we didn't have internet around there. Everyone was writing letters. Yeah. To like, have pen pals or whatever. So I, I ended up making contact with people up and down the country that were tape traders. And some, some of these guys had lists of April paper, just full of lists of different releases. Fucking hell, so many releases. So I just started trading stuff, huh. and um, yeah, I, I just got more and more into it. Well, how the how the original the original thing like Terrorizer magazine? How would you even come across that? Like a, a lot of these stories, when I ask people, a lot of times it's like an older brother or you know a neighbor. But how did how did you see it first on your own? Do you um, even recall? Well, I was into metal and fresh and. So that Stuff was like the that from the era. Yeah, that definitely kind of led me onto like the path of electric guitars and heavy music, and you know, listen to some a, a lot of Motley Crue when I was younger and stuff like that, poppy, rocky stuff, whatever. Nice. You know, it always rang, rang, rang like in my head, sort of thing. I had did a you, calling for it for that sound. So, did you ever try the long hair gimmick? Did you ever try to grow your hair out in that? Nah, not really. That was I did have awesome. long hair, but. Oh, I'd love a to grunge, see a grunge thing in it. I'd love to see a picture of that. That'd be so cool. <laughs> I, see, I guess I grew up through the grunge era in it. Oh, so, yeah, you know, sure. th- a lot of those bands were getting a lot of publicity everywhere. So you can help but notice stuff. And then um, Guns N' Roses as well at the time, they fucking went big, big. Playing a concert at Wembley Stadium around the corner from where I was living. So we just went to that as kids, you know what I mean? And then, yeah, just like the vibe Guns of the show. at Wembley? Yeah. Two times. Wow. That is historic, bro. That's big. It was nuts. Fuck yeah. They had Soundgarden, Guns N' Roses, Skid Row, <laughs> Nine Inch Nails another time. There was two two separate shows with like not, not all on the same bill. I can't remember yeah. which one was on which one now, but yeah, it was it was crazy. How was Guns N' Roses live? Were they dope or no? Yeah, sick, mate. So awesome. It was a legendary sets and that, you know what I mean? Hell yeah. That is so yeah, cool. So I was hooked on the energy. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. So you you lived in a totally different neighborhood than the rest of the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was and, born in North London, but they were all from East. 
and then when I was still like maybe eight or nine, I must have moved to Northwest uh, Neesden, around this way. So um, now East London is more like you could get like boneheads and skinhead type dudes. They would be down in, in that area, wouldn't they? Or no? Am I wrong about that? Nah, they're all over the place, mate. Oh, okay. I didn't <laughs> know. Like I always picture like uh, them being from those neighborhoods in, in East London area. No, I think at the time as well, or maybe probably a bit before I got into the music and stuff, then a lot of the the oi thing and the punk thing was was obviously a big big thing in in, in the UK and around the world. But yeah, obviously in London, being such a metropolitan place, that whole style and um, culture was was always big. Yeah. So yeah, it was every it reached every corner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, the West London, East London, yeah, everywhere, I guess. That is working class, poorer people. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny that you, uh, Knuckle Dust, decided to go the route they did with that sort of music because it didn't seem, I would, I would put it like in uh, more of a New York hardcore type vibe, you know, heavier though. And it just didn't what, seem Knuckle like... Dust? Knuckle dust, yeah, like uh, yeah, just the or the startings, the beginnings. Mm, yeah, it didn't seem like a lot of other UK hardcore bands were in that route. Like Stampin' Ground was dope, but that was like more like just a straight to me like a metal band, you know? Yeah, yeah. I remember the drum yeah, no. drumming that band had on a song called Officer Down. I always talk about that. Like the drumming was sick on that song for uh, Stampin' Ground. Yeah, they're all good musicians, man. And definitely, if you're a good musician, then more time you're going to come from a metal background, I think. Or I've, I've noticed. Seems like hardcore it. kids are more like, more gully, really. We're just, you know. Yeah. Us, when we heard New York hardcore for the first time, we're instantly hooked just on the rawness. You know what I'm saying? The energy uh-huh. and the rawness. Whereas metal didn't have that. Metal was always cleaner and, yeah, heavy, but it, it was clean. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Totally. And uh yeah, you guys had more of the of a New York hardcore vibe and I thought that was uh rare for England, for an English band. Cause I saw I saw a lot I saw the New York hardcore influence a lot in Belgium and Holland, Germany back then, but not so much in, in the UK outside of you guys and another band or two, you know. But even you guys starting and then how long after Knuckle Dust started did Ruction Records start? I guess Ruction kind of started in essence around the same sort of time because soon after Knuckle I started playing, then um, we met the guys that ended up forming Nine Bar. Now, those guys are all y- were y- a bit younger than us and from South London. Mm-hmm. So uh, that kind of fulfilled the Trinity. You know what I mean? We had South covered, we have East covered, we have Northwest covered. Mm. And um, yeah, we'd, we'd spend a lot of time hanging out together and um, just like, um, decided to follow the DIY path that hardcore was laying in front of us and putting out our own records and stuff. And um, we, we released the seven inch with knuckle dust and area effect first on black up records. So black up records was the, like, how can I say the testing ground for us starting a label sort of thing. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Just doing it ourselves. And it went all right. <laughs> all, all the people involved in that, just ended up following on naturally to what Ruction um, became or what how Ruction started sort of thing. It was So it's more or less the same sort of thing. So was Black Up Records just the earliest form of Ruction Records? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And did, did, was there ever another official Black Up release or no? Yeah, there's a couple of demo tapes. Um, if you log on to the um, Ruction.com website uh-huh. and it lists all the uh, releases, you'll see at the bottom you've got like the Area Effects split with Knuckle Dust, then the Nine Bar demo, and I think the Six Foot Ditch demo. And mm. those earlier releases all come out on Black Up Records. But we kind of included them into the roster of releases that we have on Ruction because, yeah, just for the history of it, you know what I mean? Why did you, uh, why, why did you switch the name? Um, well, London, London Black Up is our crew, as you know, isn't it? LBU. Yeah. So yeah. Black Up Records, just it, it's a bit close to the crew name, I thought. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't uh, serve okay. to be shouting that out too loud, especially when the boys that were involved with um, the South London side of things were hitting up a lot of trains, bombing trains and track sides and streets and stuff at the time. So, you know. Smart move, smart business. Ruction just seemed to fit. Yeah. And who is the primary owners of of russian if there are primary owners if it can be you know what i I can't really say there is an owner besides every band that's ever helped release something on the label because each each member of each band has put in something to you know support all the other releases and all the other man uh, members of bands that have been put out on ruction so we're we're all owners really i mean i mean there's got to be somebody that's doing heavy lifting release after release and Sending stuff off, mailing stuff out, and all. Oh that yeah, on the day to day, yeah. Poppy, Poppy Ruction. He's he's the one that runs the web store, the day to day mailing. Um, uh, obviously, we have um Sebastian, who who you knew, the French guy, who who um helps with a website, but he don't live in he don't live in England at the moment. So, but yeah, mainly Poppy does um ninety nine percent of all the work these days. Okay, I, I imagine it was you and uh, Poppy, but I was I was never sure. You know what I mean? But I mean, if you give Poppy an order, he's got to follow your order, of course, right? I mean, well, naturally. Yeah, you heard that, Poppy? Watch your motherfucking step, <laughs> French boy. Racy ain't getting no cheese. That's right. No, no brie for you. No, no camembert. <laughs> Yo, I saw that Sebastian dude. I think in um Switzerland, maybe. That's right. He lives out there now. Yeah. Yeah, last time I was there, he came out. Nice guy. He's a good guy, that guy. Yeah, real good guy. Yeah, a little freaky. One, I, one remember, of the, I remember him showing me ones. really weird movies and, uh, when I was in London one time. I was like, hey, buddy. <laughs> but relax over here. I call the police. You know what I'm talking French. about? It's French. You yeah. allow him. French people are nuts. Yeah, they're very, they're very creepy people. <laughs> remember Stefan from Kickback? I mean, that's a real creepy guy, right? Say yeah. no more. Actually, I got to get him on his podcast. Uh, Holy shit. Talk yeah, about yeah. offending people. But yeah, yeah Ruction Records. Like, How many re- official Ruction releases are there? There's, it's got to be into the, I mean, potentially 50, 60? Is it that many? Yeah, we're over 50 now. Wow. That's a that's work, boy. That's a lot of do you work. Think, do you think that's a lot, though? I mean... I think it is I, a I lot. Look at some, I look at some other record labels that have been going maybe just as long as us and they got a lot more releases, but... You know, it's not like we're trying to reach a certain yeah, goal with numbers. Some, but some record labels that have a ton of releases are like, that's their business and all day, that's what they do. They're not driving a truck and also in a full-time band. A lot of these there's labels in the U.S. that are hardcore labels, these guys aren't band dudes. They just, like, a great interview I just heard was uh, Joe Hardcore has a new podcast and he interviewed the guy from Bridge Nine. Uh, Bridge Nine. And that guy explains that 
once he started his label seriously, he he didn't even barely even go to shows anymore. He stopped, you know, riding with bands and going on tours. It became his full time thing, you know. So yeah, oh, okay. Of mm. course, he's gonna have more releases. Like if you said twenty years ago, no more knuckle dust. I'm I'm stationed in London and I'm focusing on this label. Yeah, you could have probably you know bumped up the numbers, but you're an artist, baby. You know, we leave the label stuff to the computer nerds and stuff, but we're we're the artists, so it's rare when the guy does both. But I think 50 is a lot, though. That's impressive. Yeah, I just look now, it's about 60. Well, it will be about 68 by the time we get the next few releases done. Damn. 60, by the end of the year. 68. And is it possible for Knuckle Dust to have a, a new album before the end, before uh, July or no? Nah, nah. We're not looking to do an album, to be honest. How about an EP? Yeah, it's going to be an EP sort of thing. And yeah. will, will it be on Ruction? We don't know yet. We're, we haven't even had that conversation yet, to be honest. I mean, yeah, we'll see. Because we, we haven't really got that far in the planning. Fast break is an option. Listen, you should plan around that July show. I think it's July 17th, and you should just say, by July 17th, we want an EP. And if you can't write the songs, you don't want to, of course, you don't want to rush them. But if you can we got get, the studio booked. There you go, baby. I'm telling you, so go that route. So yeah, man. We, I mean, January, early January, we booked the studio. We just need to write some songs now, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. at least we're forced to do it now. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. We always do it. We always do yeah. it like that. Otherwise, people don't get into gear if there's no, like, definitive date that something has to be done. They're just like, yeah, oh, you know, whenever. No, no studio booked. Okay, whatever. And then yeah, you give yeah, them a date, and then they get, like, you do someone like our drummer, Luke. You give Luke a date, he'll start sweating as soon as you tell him the date. He gets nervous, and <laughs> it's, it's a good tactic to to use against certain personalities. But the, I just I, I always love the London scene, the bands, the label, the clubs, the attitude of the of the people that come out, like the listeners, the regulars at the shows. From uh, I mean, what what's up with Martine, our friend? How's she doing? I heard she had COVID way back. I, just, I did hear that as well, but um, like I haven't heard or seen her, obviously, for a while. You guys don't talk to her? What's wrong? She, you mad at her? It could be nice. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I don't talk to a lot of people. Damn. Oh, you're like more of the elusive dude. I know when you show up, it's like, oh, everybody gets in check. Oh, shit. Pierre's here. Mate, I'm, I'm a busy man. I'm a busy man. I've got two little ones to think about. It's hard enough trying to catch up with them sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. They're the ones I, I want to speak to more than anything. I bet, I bet. And are you physically in London or you're outside of London now where you live? Yeah, I live just outside of London now. You like it better? Um, it's all right. It's calm, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, go, I go to London quite regularly, almost every weekend. Oh, yeah? But um, yeah, it's not like London when we were growing up and that with the night, with the right nightclubs or pubs and stuff that we used to enjoy doing or... No, yeah. everything's just flats nowadays. Fucking blocks of flats everywhere. Yeah, London was so dope, man. Damn. Remember Can't get big... away with all the shit that you used to be able to. Now there's cameras everywhere. and Yeah, nah. dude. That's like the first city that I, I ever noticed. Heavy camera action everywhere. Like city under surveillance from one corner to the other. The first one, now it's like everywhere, but the first one I've ever took notice was, was London. I forget we were there once and somebody did something. And by the time we got to the next stop, there was a police presence 
due to yeah. cameras, but I can't go into too much detail about what happened. But uh, yeah, very. Uh, it's like a police state, mm. pretty much. But what a city, and and what food, what great food, man! Remember that Indian joint, the pink rupee. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm dying to taste. Actually, I ain't had a good curry for ages. I was in, talking in to Crickle a friend Road, about right? that. The one in Crickle, that's long gone though. That that place, the pink rupee. I heard, I heard. I work with some Irish dudes that lived in Cricklewood. Is it? But they never heard of that place, unfortunately. But they lived there. Okay. Yeah, they lived there. So yeah, Crickwood's um got a really well used to have a massive Irish community. Still has that presence, but yeah, back in the day, it was like a hub hub for them there. Yeah, yeah, they're construction dudes, and he worked in London for a while. Then he moved to mm. the U.S. And when they mention that place, I always ask about that restaurant. But I called it Neesden, man. That's where I grew up. Like just mass, nothing but massive Irish pubs. Like yeah, biggest pubs like Neesden Shopping Centre. They call it a shopping centre, but it's just a little stretch of road uh-huh. with like a couple of shops on either side and big pubs all over it. But all these big pubs. All Irish pubs, man. We used to hang in there all, all when we were younger, just drinking, watching everyone get drunk and fighting, and yeah, yeah. Good times. I always noticed that about the London scene. The straight edge influence wasn't very big there. I noticed, you know, you might have a random guy here and there, but for the most part, you guys knew how to party, y'all. You guys knew how to party. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, though. Hey, man, listen. When whenever I was there. Like, forget it. I love the way everybody interacted and the way the shows went down. And is there any fear of like some of the main clubs, like the underworld, not being able to open back up, or, or is that not even an issue over there? To be honest, right now, I think it's definitely a, a, a fear of anything can happen. You know, what I mean, any venue can go yeah. at, at this at this rate. Because are they doing anything at the underworld right now? Are they making money, or the upstairs might be open, right? Yeah, I'm sure the upstairs is open. I've seen the upstairs open, but um, they're, they're, as for shows downstairs, I doubt it very much. Hopefully, ah. hopefully it changes soon, man. I think I think once the government lays down some regulations, then at least we'll know more if a venue can cater to it and be able to make money to survive from limited capacities that I'm sure they put in place. But until they, they say something, then yeah, these poor people are stuck, man. It's total bullshit. But yo, I need you to do me a favor. Yeah. You give me a list of every band that you fronted, that you sang in. Not guest okay. spots, just your bands. So obviously Knuckle Dust. Um then soon after that I did Beat Down Fury, the metal core band. Mm-hmm. Um, then around the same time, it was Maldito, which is the more old school band with about 900 singers. Yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> good times. Um, what else? Then I did Bond Them Out, I guess that would be next in, in line. Mm-hmm. Bond Them Out, which is still going. Still active, yeah. More metal. Yeah, more metal sounding with a bit of Spanglish on it. Yeah. And then now the new one, Borstal. Very just, impressive. We literally just had our first practice two weeks ago, and now we're in the studio recording. <laughs> Very impressive, me man. It's like that's that's so cool. Like <laughs> I don't know why I just love that kind of stuff because what, the amount of bands. I mean, yeah. Well, be, well, it's like 
releases and completed songs and and effort and art boom 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 it doesn't stop it's not like you know a lot of times especially in our scene a band releases like one thing and then that's a rap you know and it ne- you yeah. never like if you like their first thing you almost never get a chance to hear how it develops because usually in my opinion it gets better you know so when you yeah out, i know what you mean yeah well some people I feel like, like in the hardcore world a lot of people like to go against that you know the the demo is always the best blah 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 sometimes yeah. it is, but for the most time the bands get better yeah i mean for me uh, knuckled us just always had this own little way of doing things you know yeah and i'm happy with that i, I like that i like what we do i like the way we do it and it's always fun if, it, if it's not fun anymore then i'll change it you know and obviously my style has progressed to what it is nowadays but then there's certain things that I, I, I kind of itch to try, which I wouldn't do it on a knuckle song because it just wouldn't sit right or feel right or Ray might have a cry. Mm. And um, I, that's why I always felt the need to do another band. Yeah. Plus having musicians around, you know, that are like such humble people and talented people, then, you know, they, they ask me to sing on their band. I'm not going to say no, innit? you know what I mean? I'm the one that's in the lucky position. So yeah, I'll give it a go. Yeah, if something works. If they like what I do, then we we just go with it, isn't it? If they don't like what I do, that's fine. They can tell me, and you know, that's not a problem. I'm not going to be butthurt about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing either. I'm learning as I go. And plus, the way you like you said, like Knuckle Dust has its style. So mm-hmm. and it's it's like a consistent style of 25 years, and it it's a natural development is one thing, but for you to experiment on something that's like totally out of the ordinary for knuckle dust probably wouldn't be a good idea for anybody. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. so you get the opportunity to do that in, in different kind of things. And, and, and that's, that's dope, you know? Yeah. And sometimes different music makes you feel different ways and sing yeah. different ways. And, you know, that's why I like doing a lot of guest stuff for people as well. I'm really humbled that people ask me to do it, but yeah, I take it as an opportunity to, yeah. One of my Brian. favorite guest things you did is that part on Enemy Mind, that Enemy Mind song. Yeah, that come out all right, innit? <laughs> yeah, that was so crazy. That's the how you come into that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I, if, if, if I listen to that in my car, I start punching a window. People next to me, they think I'm having a seizure. <laughs> yeah, that shit is good. I like that. What's yeah, the name of that hard. song? I can never remember. The, do you know the name of it? Um, was it? Is it We Hate? We hate you or something or people if you, you gotta just search enemy mine a band from mostly i think the pittsburgh or philadelphia area they don't exist anymore i don't think but pelbu does a uh guest spot in, in one of their songs it's so dope man the band itself is, is dope. Spotify, I, don't know, I, tell you the name. I think it's called yeah i don't know offhand to be honest what the name is um yeah just keep an eye on the ruction website we've got new releases coming out we got a new band from up north called street soldier some northern dudes oh that's, um, that got, big maniac guy with like a dead eye is that him <laughs> yeah 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 is that guy big in person or just on the video yeah he's a big dude now who's the guy next to him in a new video that's like he looks like a little crazier wiry type of guy that's the drummer oh wow he's he's nutty i like that shit yeah i like what they're doing man. i like their vibe you know you <laughs> yes. can tell they they take the music seriously, but they don't take themselves too seriously sort of thing as well. So, yeah. you know, they fit the Ruction roster really well because, you know, what we're like, we don't take ourselves seriously at all, you know. And and they're, they're from thing. up north, you said? They are. They're Yorkshire band. 
Yorkshire. Usually Yorkshire dudes are pussies, but they look like they're tough dudes. So all right. Well, I don't know, mate. I don't know. <laughs> the guitarist from Beat from Beatdown Fury, Andy, Yorkshire Andy. Oh. You remember him? The big blonde yeah. guy with a tore up Nike hat. Good guitar player. Oh yeah, yeah. Shredder. He's a fucking hard bastard. I remember staying I at his house and all day and all night he just practiced guitar, Indian style, sitting on the floor. Yeah, that's it. I was like, damn, this dude is no joke on the guitar. Now, I don't know anything about Yorkshire. I'm just trying to throw a little craziness out there, you know. <laughs> so if we ever do play Yorkshire, please don't jump me. <laughs> but I know our drummer Luke hates Yorkshire. If you want to go at him, feel free. Uh, I never said anything he did. <laughs> but that's dope. So they're up, they're out in Ruction. All right. Keep selling. What yeah, else you got? That's coming out next month. Um, then we have the Borstal that we're recording at the moment. We're going to put out the EP for Borstal beautiful so that's five tracks and one cover and we still got to release the bundama easy money seven inch although the tracks have been doing the rounds on spotify and streaming services we're still um, working on getting the physical seven split seven inch out so that mm. will follow and then after that probably another bundle out split as we've got three more tracks ready and um we're, we're looking to release those soon Busy, bro. Busy. Yo, is, is Russian stuff up on Spotify or any streaming services? Yeah, it should be on most of them now. Slowly but surely getting all the older stuff up there. So, yeah, check out. Yeah. I mean, I only, I only fuck with Spotify myself. I don't, I don't really mess around with too much of them things, but I know I know it's on Apple and, yeah, a lot of the other ones. Yeah, Spotify is important. I, I don't really, I don't have it, but I know it's important to have it available there. A lot of people use that, Spotify very cool, yeah though. definitely and what else anything else what else we got mm. in this day and age it's hard to make any plans in it so yeah we're just mm. gonna we're just keeping our fingers crossed that this um anniversary show works out and we can all live to see it <laughs> hell yeah i <laughs> so, hope so and if and if i'm know, gonna check the tickets if if tickets plummet y'all i'm gonna be out there son i'll be out see there it. doing a two-step you know how I do. Just come play in it. Yeah, hang out, you know. You don't need yeah. to be out there. Just a friend enjoying the show. Get, you know what I mean? We'll get you on the Guinnesses and the Bongs, innit? <laughs> nah, me and uh me and old Danny Boy, they were still straight at just it. <laughs> Everybody else sold yeah. out. Everybody else fucking sold out. <laughs> All right, Pierre, I'm gonna let you do your thing. I appreciate it, homie. We'll, we'll talk soon. You Thanks, anything, my brother. You need anything you let Good. me know, all right? All right, stay blessed. Blessings from London. Respect. Peace out. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker! Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker.